Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell, and the mysteriously musical misanthrope, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Why delay? Go today to theworldtrumpetfederation.com and bookmark that bad boy. Stay tuned as we strive to bring you positive and helpful information with all things trumpet and trumpet teaching. If you're not thinking WTF when you need to revamp your routine, enhance your education, or power up your pedagogy, well, you're just doing it wrong. And no one is more ready to tell you that you're doing it wrong than the WTF. Seriously, stop being so serious and join the trend. www.worldtrumpetfederation.com, home to the Open Bell podcast, and so much more. And this episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by your friends at the home offices of Lip Slur World Headquarters in Cincinnati, Ohio, the home of America's favorite sarcastic lip slurs. Are you tired of playing those same old diatonic lip flexibilities that have been around since the American Civil War? Well, <laughs> you're in luck. Lip Slur World Headquarters is proud to bring you progressive lip flexibilities for brass, a comprehensive and all-new collector's edition of artisanal handcrafted flexibility studies. As you work through these meticulously curated pages, you will quickly begin to notice not only the immediate musical, technical, and physical benefits of these deceptively simple yet elegant exercises, but that you will personally become more interesting to yourself and others, and therefore will win more friends and influence more and better-looking people. And as an exclusive offer for our listeners, Lipsler World Headquarters is offering the first edition hand-signed by the author copies available at no additional charge. To order your hand-signed copy today, go to www.scottbelk.com. The Open Bell podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up a couple things and no offense. We use these segments to propose, prioritize, and propagate information that is important to your proficiency and progress. Gentlemen, shall we? Warming up is once again brought to you by our friends at Chop Saver Lip Treatment. Professional trumpeter Dan Gosling has created the most amazing lip treatment that works in all conditions, and it's all natural. If you're an educator, you should really contact Dan about lip care for your studio or band program. He is a generous entrepreneur who is dedicated to making life better for all musicians. I worked with him to get Chop Saver for our entire brass studio, and they love it. Don't delay. Go to ChopSaver.com and connect with our friend Dan Gosling. If you make music with your face, you really need to know about Chop Saber. <laughs> Brian, what sort of tragic anti-trumpet tyranny do you have for us on this, <laughs> our 29th episode of The Open Bell? Tyranny, I like that. <laughs> it's his takeover. I'll, I'll cornet all the time. All right, so here's the deal. I had a bunch of topics to choose from, as you can imagine. but um, Actually, we can't. <laughs> You seem to only have one topic that you keep choosing from, and that's cornet. I wouldn't call that multiple. An endless no, supply that, of cornet topics. It's your topic. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, by the time this this drops, we'll be I'll be probably a month into into this new thing. But uh, as of this Wednesday, I'll be five weeks post the post accident, mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm restarting um, in t in two days from from when we're recording this, and so I actually have a question. Um, mm -hmm. I have a way that I want to restart. Um, 
And the question really is, do I restart using trumpet? Is the first notes are the first notes I'm going to play on trumpet, or are they going to be on cornet? And this is a, it's an honest question. So I've, I've actually are been, you asking what we think you're going to do, or asking what you, we think you should do? You, what you think I should do? We know where our money is. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not I haven't I haven't decided actually, and I, so I'm I'm sort of curious as to get to get your opinion on how I should go about this. And then I'll tell you what I'm the reason I'm I'm curious about this. So, Joe, you want me to go or do you want to go? Go ahead. You're in. All right. So what I think is that I think of the two, you know, deep down, which one is more comfortable for you in terms of the way you interface with the instrument. Right. And especially with the mouthpiece um, and all the arguments we've made for starting on cornet kind of come resurface here a little bit. Right. Even though you're not just starting. But I would say because you're dealing with an injury on your lip and you've got a, you've got something you're trying to work around there a little bit, I'd say whatever one is most comfortable for you is where you should start. Interesting. Um, I go, I've gone back and forth on this and I've actually given this a lot of thought as I've been worried about Brian, you know, because <laughs> I, want, I, want, uh, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be playing great. I want you to be comfortable. And I, I don't think it, long term, I don't really think it makes a big a big difference at all. I really don't because I do think you should be playing short segments spread throughout the day and you should be playing both every day you know like normal you know short five ten fifteen minutes segments max and then an hour break you know mm -hmm. kind of spread throughout the day but I, I might lean towards starting on on trumpet over cornet because the mouthpiece rim is a little bit wider and gives you a little bit more room as you you might be dealing with some scar tissue and some stuff moving around the last thing you want to be worried about is fitting stuff in so i might lean that way but long term, I don't, you know, I don't think it really makes a big difference. What are your thoughts? So here's how I'm, here's how I would like to start, and um, and I got this from a lot of people do it this way, but I think, um, but I got it from the back of Whiff Rudd's book, um, just on starting beginners, and um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the 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 start is, um, you just uh, you just say dim, and you just blow some air between your chops. After you say dim, you hold everything still. Um, and then you put your mouthpiece on your face where it's comfortable and you're just blowing air. And then you do the same process, but you slide the lead pipe onto the mouthpiece. And I've had some success with beginning students in trumpet class at school um, where if you just the resistance of sliding just the lead pipe on gives you something around a concert E flat. Like so, our oh, first mean, space. So tuning, tuning slides out. You're just tuning slide out. Tuning, just yeah, the lead pipe. Out. Just making sure. So um, and so it 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 goes it goes against the tendency to buzz the lips when you're playing the instrument, right? You're just blowing air and you're letting the resistance of the horn, in this case, just the lead pipe, take care of it. So I would like to do that. The reason I'm reluctant. I'm thinking about it's much easier physically for me to do that on the trumpet, just the ergonomics of right. the the shepherd's crook and the large bell on the left side holding the holding the mouthpiece. And then um, so doing that on the cornet, I, I could do it, but it's a much longer lead pipe. Yeah, the, the fundamental ends up being the D. I yes. Think, on so the cornet. Yeah. So I was just interested in. I don't know. I'm not sure it matters. Maybe I'd alternate days or something, but I was thinking about starting that way and starting on the, the trumpet. Um, yeah. So you, you, you said you, you say dim, I would encourage you to try dull. 
think <laughs> yes, I'd go would. with that. You, you would definitely go with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, back to the, the broader pedagogy, I, I've never used the word dim. I've just used the letter M, which M. does much yeah. the same thing. Same thing, yeah. I've yeah, said m- sim. Yeah, yeah, yeah all, all the same concept. Yeah, but same you know, this is an important thing for Brian to remember. You already know how to play. Don't right. f- forget that. You don't have to treat yourself like a day one beginner because you're not. You've been playing for decades and you know what to do. Right. Now, your face hasn't done it in a while. so <laughs> certainly be... hasn't done it in a while. <laughs> so for people who take a lot of time off, if there are people who take a week or they'll take two weeks off. They're coming back. Sometimes that day one can be a bit of a lie is that everything's so fresh it all works. And you're like, great. And people tend to overdo. So that's why <laughs> I caution against uh, doing anything longer than 15 minutes. because I'm not convinced sure... anything's going to work. <laughs> it, it's going to work. It's going uh, to it, work. Yeah. You you know how to play and you, you do it well. So the idea of just you've got to build everything back the way you want it now. Yeah, yeah Brian, remember, you got a lot of lip talent there. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> lip yeah. talent. You've got good lip talent. You've got lip talent. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. You've you're got not... tremendous upside potential, right? Yes. Isn't that another good sports one that we <laughs> That's hear? That's a great sports one. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, yeah, in any, in any, no matter how you decide to do this, man, slow and steady wins the race, but you know that. Yeah. So. All right. Thanks I'm just hoping much. that uh, it takes, knocks some of the volume off. Of you, <laughs> A few decibels off. I no mean, shot. He's going to come back louder than ever. Louder than before. <laughs> the idea. The lip sticker is going to be louder. Hard to imagine. <laughs> no microphone will be safe. All right, uh, Joey, what do you have for us? All right. Well. Speaking of, of starting over, I was thinking about why we started at all, right? And I think a lot of times when, when people look at professionals, I meant wait, that in a wait, positive the podcast way. or the, the trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about trumpet playing first. But the uh, I, I think a lot of times when, when students or, or, or younger people look at old people like us, they're like, well, yeah, they've just always played. And it's just they had to play and it's just the way it was. I don't think they really see the beginnings. They see the end, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know that we've ever shared this. Why did you start playing, and why did you start playing trumpet? Hmm. Who's Brian, going? You want? You want to? Yeah, go? yeah, sure. I'll go. So, um, in fifth grade, when we were picking, we got to pick, and I was just talking with my mother. There were a couple people in our neighborhood, a couple of who, um, a couple of young people, just a few years older than me, and they both played trumpet. So I did hear people practicing. Not every day, but every other day or so in their bedrooms. Uh, so it would sort of ring out over the neighborhood. Um, and so I was asking my mother about, we get to pick instruments. And I said, does a trumpet get to do lots of stuff in the orchestra? And she said, yeah, trumpet gets to do a lot <laughs> of stuff in the orchestra. That's the nerdiest fifth grade question I've ever yeah, heard in my really life. Is. And yeah. I was the nerdiest fifth grade kid I knew. <laughs> yeah. And I she said, it, yeah, you get to do a lot of stuff. So that was it. I thought you were going to say, does the trumpet get to do a lot of loud stuff <laughs> well that sort of goes without saying <laughs> so he, he's gone from asking do i get to do a lot of stuff in the orchestra too i i will be sitting on the end of the brass band <laughs> yeah, you, right. know, you know that's not an orchestra right <laughs> well bill what about you uh you know for me i remember taking that test in elementary school and you got to circle the instrument that that you liked the best and I just gravitated to trumpet. But I think in reality, it was because my dad, who was not a musician at all, loved trumpet players. And so I've talked about this. As everyone he, should. I mean, please. <laughs> yeah. So in my of house, was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of Al Hurt being played. There was a lot of Harry James being played. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And so and then later admitted me like, yeah, I thought the trumpet was OK, but Harry James was married to Betty Grable. And I thought she was really cool. So that was sort of, oh I was like, God. that was the driving force. It was so funny. I was like, dad, you know, it's because you love the trumpet that I picked the trumpet. And he's like, well, yeah, about that, son. You know? <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> kind of that moment. I was like, it was really about Betty Grable. It's not really about the trumpet with you. Still not. <laughs> it's still not it about the trumpet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that, but that was it. But I think mostly I just heard it so much. I was just drawn to the sound of it, you know? Yeah, it's not, right. So the, these are, uh, uh, frankly, unremarkable stories. Mine is unremarkable as well, right? I was right. in fifth grade going into middle school, and uh, my friend John Perkins, his uh, my best friend uh, through elementary school, his older sister played horn. He's like, yeah, we got to go try for band. I'm like, cool. Let's <laughs> go try for band. got to do that. So we went, and we tried stuff out. I'm like, yeah, trumpet sounds, I want to play trumpet. All right, cool. I mean, that's really, it, it, it's not anything more than, than just that. And then I started playing and really liked it. But, you know, it... Th- it's not like magic. You know, there, there are lots of times I've heard people say things like, if you can think of doing anything other than music, you should go and do it. And I, 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 I have started in, in the last couple of years interrupting those people saying, I need to stop you. This is terrible <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> because frankly, I could have thought of a, at least a few other things that I could have done and probably had been happy and done well. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't have played trumpet. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. th- th- so there's not like, the, you know, I think if we all picture like the first day Bud Herseth picked up a trumpet, the, you know, the angels sang and there was a light in the east, you know, <laughs> when really it was probably some little kid somewhere who went <clears throat> and they were like, hey, this is cool. And that's how it works for everybody. It's not some magic story. Right. I've been thinking about yeah. that. But what do you got for us today? Okay. So um, this kind of goes back to, you know, the things that inspire us about the trumpet and starting and. I've been doing some cleaning out here uh, at home and and uh, ran into a bunch of old records that I had, old albums. And I I don't think are we've these ever... wax cylinders? You know, you no, those are... <laughs> I keep those in a separate temperature-controlled place. Um, it's in a vault. With, in the vault. The humidor. With my wax cylinder player. It's <laughs> where I keep all my seven Cs. And um, <laughs> so, but what is your favorite album, trumpet album cover? <laughs> Is this a trick question? It's, it's a, not at all. It's what is the visually like? What is your most like? What album cover was like? Yes, this is the coolest album oh, cover man. ever. Uh, I can think of at least three, but is there a better one than the upside down trumpet in the uh, the champagne coolers? That uh, was that is which, Maynard Ferguson new vintage. That's new vintage, right? Because that's going to be mine. I have that, two top ones, I mean, but that's going to be mine. Now, the cheesy, creepy old man answer is, of course, the uh, whipped cream and other delights. Herb Alpert, which is my other one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, it's a, it's, for those of you who haven't seen it, weird. you can go ahead and Google it. And, and it's a woman uh, pretty much not she's wearing much of anything in, at all in whipped cream. She's in a whipped cream wedding dress. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> wedding dress is a stretch for what that is. Well, but, uh, but, uh, I, think, I think there's a veil. Anyway. But I, I, uh, wow, I, I got both of yours. But the, the new vintage, the new vintage yeah. album cover is yeah. it's it's just outstanding. That's a great album cover. I have uh, that um, framed actually on the wall in my office because it oh, was it's like a yeah. I, I mean, I love that record musically, but that cover I just thought was the coolest thing ever. It is trumpet it is in cool. an, in a glass ice bucket. Yeah, right. It should be on a shirt. 
It's really it probably was. Mm-hmm. Brian, have you got a couple there? We've been I, I, I don't about the same no. two. I, I, I don't. I don't I haven't even seen the two you guys are talking about. What? No. What? I'm just I'm not that visual. Wow. I, I, I just listen. Okay, I don't even know what wow. to do now. That's that's <laughs> It took I me. Remember. I mean, I, it took me a couple of seconds to limit down because I'm like, okay, <laughs> I really like, and these were, yeah, me too. Wow. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, mean, I would. For, I wouldn't know any. For as many times as you failed in backboard bingo and Jeopardy, this might be, <laughs> this might be even worse. <laughs> Album covers. No, I wouldn't be able to okay. tell you. This is your homework. One. This is your homework for next time. Please <laughs> identify something. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm I would I haven't seen the ones you guys are even talking about. And yes, it, you I have. Mean, and there are plenty, I mean, there are plenty from the Blue Note era because they really took the oh, yeah. the visual aspect of their album covers. That were, I mean, we could just start listing. But well, th- there are I, lots of those that just look cool. How about they are MF, works of art? MF4 and 5 live at Jimmy's. <laughs> and he's like standing, standing over, over the city. The skyline with the <laughs> one over his shoulder. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, see the, I see the cover. I I've I'm looking at the Manor Ferguson one. I've never seen that image in my life. Okay, just agree that it's cool and you'll be okay. It's, it's pretty did, cool. But that means he didn't own that album. No, I did not own that album. And what do you mean you're not visual? You you do great photography. Yeah. Maybe I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. You're the photographer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm really glad I brought this up. Wow, this did not go well at all. No, this is a complete failure. Oh, I thought you guys were on it totally. Anyway, I'm gonna. I'm working on writing Jeopardy for the next episode. Guess what? <laughs> album, album covers. Album covers. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I like this idea. All right. Well, now, boys, it's time for some open bell mailbag. All right, the people have spoken. I right, listen, remind me in our post-recording session meeting, uh, I know listeners probably wonder how we put all this together. Of course, we pregame for just a little bit and talk, but then at the end, we do our business meeting for the next time. We've got to talk about Karen. She's becoming difficult. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's she's, gotten this bad. She's still doing good work, but it was pulling teeth yeah. for me to get these emails mm. together this time. She's, well, at any right. rate. Sure. I don't know what she's, her problem is. The name is catching up. Mount, we're paying her. <laughs> I think her minivan broke down again, and she's upset about that. No, I right. wouldn't be. Email number one. Because of your podcast, my partner and I have been having trouble connecting. He plays your podcast during our romantic dinners, during our evening walks, and even while we're falling asleep at night. It's as if I'm dating four trumpet players now. Because he loves you all so much, I thought I could win his affection back by buying him a new mouthpiece for one of his trumpets. But because I don't speak your trumpet language, I ended up getting so overwhelmed in a music store, I didn't know which mouthpiece to buy. Uh, Joey, apparently I should have consulted with you before dealing with mouthpieces. So instead, I ended up buying a recorder for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Truthfully, though, I really enjoy listening to all of you with James. Thanks for keeping us sane and cracking up during this time, even if James has to explain trumpet humor to me. That is from Shelby from West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Yes. Well, there's two problems. That's awesome. (laughs) First, Shelby, there's no buying recorders. That's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) That, that's not take okay. it back <laughs> on the on the list of things that could not help your connection that's number one 
Yeah, you're putting that that recorder is literally a wedge between the two of you now. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get rid of that. And I, I, James does not need a new mouthpiece, but if he wants another trumpet, I think uh, you should encourage him to go ahead and get one. Absolutely, because yeah, the right number of trumpets to have is N plus N one. N plus one. Right. And if you're going to buy a trumpet for James, make it a Martin. He likes the struggle. He likes the old Martins, exactly right. He really does. He doesn't yeah. want to play in tune. Don't buy him a flugelhorn. He's <laughs> he's solved that issue. <laughs> he right. wants to fight the good fight. Exactly. He's fixed that. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Email number two. A more serious entry, actually, gentlemen, to this week's Open Bell Mailbag. Uh, gentlemen, I love your podcast. I want to thank you for what you're doing for trumpet, music, and education. See, he really gets us. I'm in my 30s and working outside of music. Due to a variety of circumstances, I was unable to finish my undergraduate degree in music. Your show has really made me realize how much I regret not being in music and how much I still want to pursue it. Of course, now I have a job, wife, children, and bills to pay. My question is, is it too late for me to consider going back to finish my degree? A major stumbling block would be the loss of income during the student teaching semester. I do have family support and assistance along the way, but of course, there is lots to consider. Thanks for any insider direction. Kevin from Philadelphia. Yeah, first things first. It's, we don't believe it. I, let me speak for all of us. We never no. think it's too late. It's right. not too never late. Never too late. Now, never the hard late. part is, you know, uh, part of my job here is I'm director of undergraduate studies. So I have, I have been approached by people, hey, I was at IU and I never finished. And their different schools have different guidelines on how this can work. Most schools will do their best to be accommodating, even with timelines that may have passed. Getting extensions, you may have to revalidate coursework or revalidate exams or come back through and retake some classes. But it can be done. The hard part is, is that it is a real commitment. So you've really got to be thinking long term because it's not just because it's not too late doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's easier to go to college when you're 18 than when you're in your 30s. It's easier to go to college when you're single than when you're married and have kids. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's not it's not too late, but that doesn't mean it's easy. And boy, I I wish you personally uh, all the best. And I hope you I hope you take it on. I, I hope you do it. Yeah, this this for me, I'll, I'll preempt what Brian is going to remind me that I say all the time, which is making one big decision, right? So if you make this one big decision that this is that important to you, then you find a way to make it work. Um, I would say this too, you know, I know you're, you're staring in the face some temporary discomfort, but it, if it could lead to long-term happiness for you, you know, if you're more happy in your career and what you're doing and you feel like you're contributing, you're a better dad and a better husband and all those things, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot to take on. There's no doubt about that. But uh, if you think that it's going to lead to your long-term happiness and better pay and better security and, and, you know, in retirement and all that, worth considering. There's nothing better than to get to pursue what you really want to do as your, as your gig. And, um, and to, you're not really working when you're doing something you love. And so if you're really unhappy in your current gig, and you're really looking forward to being able to do this music thing, yeah, I would say go all in. And if you've got the the, the means to do that, um, even if you have to take out a loan, I always thought a, a loan is an investment in you. Um, and so uh, you trust you and you know how hard you work uh, and what's important. And, uh, and so I think you can be secure in making that investment in you. And boy, if it's in music, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely great. And it's kind of an honor that, our little podcast would inspire 
<laughs> so you really look at that. That's really cool. Right, because we had no idea that people were actually even listening. <laughs> yeah, we thought there were alone. four people. Right. <laughs> but seriously, good luck to you. And if we can uh, continue to be a resource, let us know. You know how to reach us. All right, guys, email number three. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones that we've gotten so far. Um, I think you guys are old enough to recall the wonderful old movie, The Jerk, directed by Carl Reiner and Steve starring Martin. Steve Martin yeah. as Navin Johnson. Yeah. To remind the you new, the, the new phone books are here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> new phone books are here. <laughs> that doesn't remind- make sense anymore. No one knows what a phone book is. <laughs> no, that's right. right. So to remind our listeners of the premise, Navin was born into a poor family and through a bizarre set of circumstances invents the Optigrab which is yeah. essentially a handle and a break that he added to his eyeglasses to keep from them sliding down a person's nose. The product takes off and he makes billions of dollars, but then people using it started to go cross-eyed and a class action lawsuit entails leaving Navin destitute and right back where he started, except he does win the girl and he gets rhythm. My concern... The girl is Bernadette Peters, who, by the way, plays trumpet in, or cornet in that movie and actually movie. plays trumpet in real life. Right. That's how this ended up here. It's yeah. not really a cornet It's all question. related. You'll see where I'm going. I mean where she's going. My concern. (laughs) Subtle. Do do you think the same thing could happen to Scott Belk? Uh, (laughs) Wow. I did not see that coming. Because of his amazing lip slurs that he's written. I mean, I'm not saying I've experienced any significant negative side effects while practicing these on my cornet, but sometimes they do make me a bit cross-eyed. Since you guys are friends with him, I thought I should mention it here. Thanks for putting my mind at ease over this. If you can, Bernadette from Leeds. There it is. <laughs> well, we should really talk to Scott. Now I am worried about this. I hadn't really I, thought, because yeah. short term, much like the Optigrab, it's obviously a great idea. Great but idea. we have not really thought about the long-term ramifications and implications of, of practicing Scott's stuff for years. Right. Could lead to, I don't know, any kind of serious, serious yeah. problems. You can imagine someone getting into, like, all of a sudden they show up for their orchestra gig. I've seen a lot of orchestra guys lately posting that they're using Scott's stuff, right? What are the chances next time they go in to sit down and play pictures? They can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's too slow. It requires it to be too slotty. Not enough notes. Yeah. Not Boring fast melody. More, more than, more than two fingerings at a time. Yeah. Wow. This could, I'm, this could, yeah, maybe this is Scott's ultimate plan to decimate the trumpet community. <laughs> I wouldn't put that past him. Maybe that's, maybe he knows, maybe this is all based on this premise. If I get these people to buy in and do this long enough, I'll destroy everyone. (laughs) Nobody will be able to play. Giving us a lot to think about here. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you, Bernadette. We really appreciate that. All right, boys, time for a couple of things. Each of us, at some point in our playing or teaching career, has faced difficult or challenging times. Sometimes we can affect change so that things get better, but sometimes we have to accept that the things around us are not going to change, and that's when we recalibrate. We make adjustments to our own perceptions, approaches, and mostly reactions in order to better deal with our surroundings and their impact on our lives. I know you guys will have a couple of things to say about recalibration. Yeah. So we're not talking about restarting, resetting, right? No. Re- relative to what Brian was bringing up earlier. That's no. not what we're talking about. I want to make no. clear what we're actually going after here, mm-hmm. which is, all right, you feel stuck. 
in some way, mm -hmm. how are you going to get yourself out, right? Yeah, you feel like, yeah, you're just banging your head against the wall and nothing that you're doing is mattering. You know, it doesn't matter. And yeah. Well, yeah. Well, Bill, you've already sort of gotten at this, what we talked about before. Don't you have to ask the maybe if you've asked one big question and that's not working, is it time to ask the a different well, big question? But mm. I think I think asking the big question once you once you make that big decision, that means you're here, right? And you you bring up the points, which is I've decided to be here and I've decided to stay. So, and this is the job I'm in because it's great for my family. It's this is where we want to live. We have a house with the whole thing. But the job is gets a little wonky, a little sideways, and you start thinking maybe greener pastures. Right. But there's got to be a way, because you've made this other one big decision, to stay still and stay where you are and find a way to make it work. That's well, what I want to talk about. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying then, do you need to ask a different question? Are you asking the wrong question? Hmm. There are lots of times where I think, well... Yeah, listen, I think you're just asking the wrong question. Somebody's saying, hey, listen, I can't figure out how to play this, and I'm playing as loud as I can. I'm like, well, maybe no maybe playing, no offense, Brian. No offense, Brian. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe maybe you shouldn't be thinking about louder. Maybe you should be thinking about, you know, more fluid. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So maybe if, you're, if your question is, uh, like, is this the right job for me? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that might be yes, and you're frustrated. Then, the, the, then maybe the question really needs to be, what should I be doing, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. as a way to help reset? Right. And I guess what I'm what I'm leading us to here is this idea that if you have made this big decision to stay where you are, that means accepting that the things around you are not going to change. Right. So you change your own perception. You change your own you recalibrate what you let get through and what you don't. Well, right. What's this important is, and what isn't. I've had this discussion with a number of students because this is the part that I did not understand when I was young, and I don't consider myself naive at all. I sort of thought, all right, so I'm in high school band, and most people here don't care about being a professional musician. So when I go to college, that's going to get better because then everybody's serious about music. And then if I'm really good, I'm going to get a gig, and then it'll be better again. And then I'm going to get a better gig. And eventually I will end up in the ideal gig of unicorns and rainbows and everything will be perfect. Right. <laughs> That's what I thought when I was an undergrad. So this is the ludicrous contention. That's just never true. There is no perfect gig. Like everything comes with pluses and minuses. And so what I've told my students an awful lot is just remember this. Every group you're going to be in is at some level just like middle school band. Like you could go to the best orchestras in the world, the highest functioning uh, anywhere in the world, and you're going to see the same exact personalities and the same exact relationships and the same exact frustrations just on a higher musical level. Right. So the idea that you think when I get to the higher musical level, it's going to solve all of those personal things is not true. So, you know, we, we all have jobs. The three of us all have jobs that we like an awful lot. One of the things I was uh, I had said to myself when I was young, what I wanted to do was go play lead on a big band. And I got to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, that didn't mean everything was perfect about that. My first job was, you know, uh, out of college, was playing in the, in the Army, uh, in the Jazz Ambassadors. And boy, 
the musical part of that had a lot of pluses to it, but there were some army parts of that that had some for me serious minuses to it. You know, uh, you know those those things were kind of difficult for me, and and the band. Well, they might say it was difficult for them having me in that position. <laughs> frankly, if I'm going to try and be fair to them, so I did get what I wanted, but that didn't mean everything was was all all perfect. And then, right. so when I started looking for teaching jobs, this is ex- seriously what I was telling. Uh, my friends, here's what I really, really want. I want to be teaching at a place that has a really high level of student. I want to work with some really like professional level players, but uh, I don't want to be living in a big city because I, I don't want to live I, the road rage thing. You know, I can't deal with the traffic. You know, having lived in Chicago and Miami and DC, it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to be dealing with that on a daily basis. So I'd really like to be living more like a college town, and also like somewhere big because boy, it'd be great to have sports. I'm a big college sports fan. Mm. And boy, just 10 short years later, <laughs> you know, mm, I like magic. Right so yeah. when you look at what I was looking for, what I was looking for is the job I have. I'm living in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm teaching at Indiana University, which is a great music school, college town, great sports and all these things. Now, that doesn't mean that there are not frustrations within my job. Of course. Right. That yeah. doesn't mean that there aren't parts of it that go, oh, right, mm-hmm. I have to do that. This is absolutely anybody that tells you there are no frustrations in their job. I have some serious questions about well, the job but, they have. <laughs> and this is, but this is your approach, right? You've prioritized what's really important to you personally yes. and with the teaching. Right. That means that you're willing to accept some of these other things or you find ways to manage the noise. Right. But th- I think going back to the original big question is when I get frustrated, and as you both know, I get frustrated. No, <laughs> come on. I know I hide no. it really well. You <laughs> yeah. do. You guys never see it. It, never. it, I, it rarely gets out. And certainly my family never sees it. My wife never hears about it at, at, at all. Um, but I will get to the point of saying, okay, but here's the question. What's the job you want? And the job I want is the job I have. Mm. And then I go, okay. There you go. Right. So again, I do think the big question helps. What you know? What is the biggest question you can ask? And when you can answer that, that helps with what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and, and at least in the biggest picture. Maybe you want to go a little smaller picture than that. But for me, that's no, the that's, first thing that happens. That's a great start. Yeah, and and you're right. We've all. I love my job and I love teaching here. But to think that it's been you know 25 years of everything being peaches and cream. I mean, that's just not. That's not it. You know, you you bump into things along the way. That's just not real life, right? It isn't. Um, and it. I go back to a really valuable lesson. I, I may have told you guys this story. And when I was teaching public school, one of my, the worst, the days that I dreaded every year was commencement rehearsal with the seniors. Okay. So the band had to be there. I had to have the band on stage early in the morning. All the seniors would come in and the principal would come up and he would read from these same yellowed note cards he'd been reading from forever. No one's paying attention. It's a complete exercise and futility. And I hated the day because I viewed it as a waste of my time. And I was standing there off to the side, poor students are stuck on stage. It's just chaos in the room. And I'm standing next to one of my favorite people in the world, this assistant principal, who was an incredible mentor to me. And he says, he used to call me Willie, Willie. Oh, we need to bring that back. Yeah, we will. (laughs) He goes, Willie, what's the matter? And I said, man, I hate this day. Look at this. Look at the, look look at what's going on here. This is chaos. This is this other stuff. Repeated everything I just told you. And he looked at me and he goes, I love this day. <laughs> this is my favorite day of the year. And in that moment, I realized what was going like I just looked at it through an entirely different lens and I just started giggling. I just started laughing. <laughs> and then from there on out, it became my favorite day. He's like, You're kidding me? Look at this. 
You can't make this up. You know, there's like airplanes flying across the room. The complete chaos. Complete chaos. I was bit band kids falling asleep. And I was like, oh, my God, this is really fantastic. And then I started to look forward to it. But it's that finding, finding ways to twist that stuff so that it, you know, it's another way to look at it. Everything's an opportunity to learn something. Sometimes the lessons are difficult. Sometimes they're good lessons. Sometimes when you look at it, you're looking at a great teacher, they become an example of something not to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> or um, and sometimes they really inspire you. Same thing with students. Um, I think it's important to whatever situation you're in to always try and find some good or something that you can learn from it. Um, and I think sort of constantly recalibrating when you're in situations is really important. The the grass really isn't greener. You're still the same person when you go to the new place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. there's there's some valuable information. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> so so you, we know these people who are constantly looking for a better gig or a different gig um, and because they think it will be better for them somehow, um, more money or more prestige or something. Um, but they're really looking... It's, it's really a search of futility, right? They're looking yeah. to be content, but they're just not a content person. Uh, and that's a very difficult place to live. It is. The, the gem there that I heard years ago from Keith Johnson, I know I quote Keith a lot, but he said to me, always make sure you're moving towards something, not away from something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, re- that's really important. If you, The yeah. reason you want out is because of something where you are. Mm-hmm. You're better off trying to fix that because that, that you're, what you're moving into, you have no idea could be better and or worse right you know so the most valuable gem for me in all of this in this recalibration stuff again it's the ability to change your perception is hanlon's razor hanlon's razor boy that oh, really made my life change when you told me about it that. is hanlon's razor and if i haven't dropped this on you if we've met and i haven't told you this and that that's on me but you need to know hanlon's razor is this it's the assumption of malice when it was merely incompetence so we all <laughs> assume when things go south, this. you know, when things go south and gets bad, it's because someone's out to get us. When ultimately it's really because someone's probably just kind of bumbling through life at their own rate and we happen to be collateral damage. Like you can't take it personally, right? You can't, you've got to view it that way. Helpful. That's really helpful. I, I do think way too often people get stuck in the idea of, the world is out to get me where most of the time the world just doesn't care about you much at all. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, like those people are talking about you. Those people have no idea you're even in the room. Yeah. So, yeah. So the idea of there are things you can change and you should work towards making those as good as you can. And there are things that you can't. Mm-hmm. And those are the things you have to figure out whether or not you can live with in your situation. That's right? it. Yeah. Although I had a colleague a few years ago say to me, I'm really, I'm just paranoid. And I said, no, I don't think you're paranoid. People really do talk about you. (laughs) You're helping. (laughs) Wow. That person hasn't slept in months. It was was too easy. And I just feel bad about it for, I don't know, maybe like a minute. But but especially where we are and the three of us are in academic circles, but this is true in musical circles as well. There are always those people, both in academia and in music, who just like to complain. And, you know, I'm somebody who is definitely likes to complain for fun and, and for other things. But what I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the miserable person that all they do is focus on the negative and, and keep themselves mired in it. They keep yeah. themselves mired in everything that is wrong 
ignoring either what is right or what their responsibility for the things that are wrong are. Mm. So they won't take any responsibility. They're just going to say, yeah, everything stinks. So everything stinks. So everything stinks. What are you doing about it? <laughs> everything stinks. You know, there's no, there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no taking of responsibility and there's, and there's no action, you know, because yeah. there are certain, certainly things, you know, we've all been in our respective jobs for a while now. And uh, I know there are things that I've worked here to change at IU. I'm sure you guys have done the same at your institutions, mm-hmm. both at the, the, the very small level. And, you know, one of the things uh, when I first started here, uh, the jazz department was very casual and very first name. So, you know, David Baker ran the, the top band and Pat Harvison led the second band and it was David and Pat. Mm. And But when I got here and I asked, I asked John and, and Ed Corda, I worked with uh, then, who had since retired, and they said for lessons it was really Mr. Rommel and Mr. Tartell. I mean, and Mr. Mm. Cord. And I said, huh, okay. But they asked me to run the third jazz band because they were, needed some help with the jazz department. So two of my, three of my students were in that band and one of them sent me an email. I should see if I still have this. It was great. <laughs> he said, it's David and Pat, but it's Mr. Rommel and Mr. Cord. We don't know what to call you. <laughs> which was, a, which was, I thought, a, a, a fair question. And he emailed, he was very, you know, I said, please just call me Joey. And quietly, I, I was very comfortable with college students calling me by my first name. And yeah, everybody gets to make their own call that way. Sure. Yeah. But I, I will tell you, around that same time, I think Pete Ellison started just a year before me in trombone, and Jeff Nelson started three years after me on, on horn, and all of us are very comfortable that way. And I've watched that culture change. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Where a couple years ago, uh, you know, John Rommel came into his trumpet class and said, yeah, you guys call me John, which was funny, because then the freshmen were comfortable with it, but the juniors and grad students that were already there weren't. <laughs> couldn't do it. <laughs> just couldn't make the switch, and which couldn't is fine. And some go. students are, uh, need to make that change. And for me, that was just, uh, uh, if I'm sitting one-on-one working with a student one-on-one in a room, I want that to be a comfortable relationship, and yeah. I don't need the barrier of the mister or professor there. And I, and. That's just me, but I was able to make that little change, and on you know, and then bigger things as well. You know, the, we don't have to get into the. Those things. I just find that one funny. Yeah. But to, you know, take the responsibility for. Okay, this is my job. I have responsibility to make this the best job it is. Well, it's funny, right? Because we, we've talked about this idea about installing a culture, right, in our studios and all that. I mean, yep. this is in a sense. Uh, installing a new culture in yourself by recalibrating or or trying to change the culture around you. But if those are the things that you don't like um, and, you know, you try to be the positive force, but if, if ultimately they don't they don't change, then you just have to accept that they don't. Right. You haven't you have an option whether or not to give something oxygen. Right. <laughs> whether right. you're going to let it, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. whether you're going to let it live and breathe. I mean, or, or you could walk away from it well, and, and it's liberating to walk away. And that, that can be the difficult part, especially for people who like to focus on the negative. What I was talking about before, those people that just stay mired in it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you have to ask, is this something you can live with? And, and right. if it's not, then it may be time to go looking for other work and other jobs and other opportunities. If it's right. something that is over that line for you. But then if it is, you're like, okay, let's, how does this really affect me? Does this really make this much of a difference in my day-to-day life? You know, really ask yourself the hard questions and take the responsibility. And this is the hard part. People have a hard part, a hard time taking responsibility for their own negative actions. Mm. Mm. You know, because also if you have that kind of attitude, a, a lot of people don't see how toxic that could be to the uh, larger environment in which they work. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to say recalibration isn't just sort of saying screw it and walking away from something no. and turning your back on it. That's but, what I'm saying. That's, yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, just to be clear, it's it's engaging it in an, in an entirely different way. Um, 
And so let me pivot a little bit because I think one one of the things that might be impetus for recalibration is the feeling of burnout. I think we've talked about burnout before here. We've talked a little, a little bit. bit about it. That's um, right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I heard a really terrible thing years ago. I heard someone very irresponsibly say, if you're burned out, you probably weren't on fire to begin with. Right. Uh, you know, that, that was just a terrible thing. But I, look, I think people, let's validate that. You can get to the point where either because you're working so hard or the hours or you don't feel appreciated or whatever it might be, that burnout can happen. What are your thoughts on that? Have you guys experienced that in some way or what are some ways out of it? I don't think that I have not experienced burnout, um, but there is a point at which you get so frustrated with something, you really have two choices. You can, maybe three, you can blow up about it and blow off all this steam and burn a bunch of bridges. You can accept it and just walk away, or you can try and figure out a way to, over time, change it subtly. Um, our dean has a really interesting um, way of looking at things. Things at Rowan, they change, at least in the first 10 years I was here, changed very, very slowly. Um, things are changing at a much faster rate now. Um, but the, the dean, um, he said, uh, evolution, not revolution. Mm-hmm. So these small little tweaks over time, they do s- tend to build in scope and in speed. Um, and so they tend to, it's the uh, good to great flywheel, right? Mm-hmm. So it keeps picking up speed. It gets faster and um, this little thing changes and then this little thing changes and then that's another revolution um, uh, on the flywheel. And it's really it's really fascinating, I think, to watch. So it's, it's small things. Um, and if you're willing to invest the time and the energy because it's important to you, things do change. Um, you have to keep track of those because memories are short. So um, <laughs> we have a few, you know, sort of the, uh, there's historical um, uh, disgruntled actions or being disgruntled with this view of the world over time. And that history feeds on itself. If you're not really aware and reminding yourself of what we did change those three things. And then that caused these three things to change for the better. It's really interesting to see over time how those things happen. And when you're right in the middle of it, it's also hard to see the things change. You just feel the angst. Um, And if you're really focused just on you um, and how, negative you feel in it uh in the situation that that's a very bad place to be um and you have to sort of you know we all know those people who are just negative all the time and there's no situation that they're in where they're happy that just doesn't exist right for them and at some point i just realized oh that person's just going to be unhappy with whatever we propose or however we change it uh, even if it's the way they want it changed, because they're going to find another reason to be unhappy about something else. Um, it's really yeah. a fascinating study on humanity. Yeah, quick, uh, a quick thing for those sort of the people who will sit in any meeting or any uh, discussion and always just say, no, 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 no. The first thing I do is say, great, what do you want to do? Mm, there it is. And yeah. usually there's an awful lot of silence that comes from those people. Yeah. Right. Say like, okay, well, I'm hearing what you don't want. What do you want? But because back, the original, what you're talking about with burnout, for me personally, like uh, when I get to the point of frustration and getting to the point of I'm not being productive because of my frustration, which is where I'm getting mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first thing for me is stop, break. 
Stop yeah. and take a break. Because what Brian is saying about, you know, you could just kind of blow up and, and, and burn a lot of bridges. This is why I have you guys and my wife. <laughs> because <laughs> I will come home and say, I need I need to go. I need to vent. She's like, all right, go. Let it out. <laughs> and then I'll or, just and, rail because she's yeah. not. She's told me, at least so far, she's not going to dump me for that. Right. <laughs> so. Well, and, th- and this is why our friend Shelby bought a recorder, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this was <laughs> that way. Right. So, Brian, your list was uh, what you could you could blow up, right? You blow up. You can walk away. You just walk away and wash your hands of it, or uh-huh. you can figure out a way to deal with it, Correct. change it either externally or internally. And this might be another thing on the list, or it might be the overarching lens through which you view the list, and that is please find the humor in it, <laughs> right? I mean, this is how we help each other all the time, right? We're yes, like, because everything is funny. Everything <laughs> is funny. It takes a second sometimes to step back and look at it. But thanks to my my good assistant principal friend, in a, in a moment, you can realize how ridiculous it is. And even more ridiculous is that how you let it raise your blood pressure. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you guys do that. I mean, me, nothing ever really gets to me in that way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm cool as a cucumber pretty much all the time. All the time. I, I never just yell. I, I, you know, I've been uh, at, at the administrative level for a few years here, and our dean, who's, who's just retired, we, we knew each other fairly well going as I went into that job. There would be times we'd be in our administrative committee, which is just the five administrators of the School of Music. We'd meet once a week for two hours. And something we'd be talking about something that was just ridiculous. And he'd catch my eye, we'd wait for a second, and he'd just look over and go, go ahead. <laughs> just you've uh-huh. got to be kidding me you know and just kind of let it kind of let it all out you know because sometimes you just need to let it all out but in a safe environment not right. uh, not negatively at other people no and, and we all need that right if you don't have that at work i mean find it right find yeah. the one person where you can go and close the door and just rant the rant is so helpful very helpful for me personally. I, I remember years back, <laughs> I, I, I did the rant thing. I, I spent a fair amount of time on my bike riding through cornfields in south central Pennsylvania, yelling at the top of my lungs. Wait, <laughs> you you like to ride a bike? Is this, I do. Is I know. this breaking news yeah. for the podcast? This is breaking here? news. This is how I deal with This is how I recalibrate. It's my recalibration machine. There it is. You know, on a weekly basis. Um, yeah, I, Brian, the other thing you said was that uh, it just reminded me all of us to gauge success over a longer period of time, right? Like we want these things to change immediately, especially if they frustrate us, but being the constant drip is a much more healthy way to get it done and just accept that, you know, give, give yourself a longer time frame to, to change something for that, sure. Yeah. That being said, there might be time for revol- for, for revolution as well. <laughs> there are times to well, say, yeah. you know what, we're just doing this wrong. We should build this. We should just, you know, build a better machine rather than rather than keep working on something that is you know flawed at its basic level let's let's just start over well there are times for that i'm a huge fan of this i've served on a couple of boards that you both know about um and i have been the instigator that in both places that's gone in and as we're trying to retrofit something to avoid a frustration and i say no 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 no. let's blow it up Right. (laughs) Right. In other words, if we were just starting today to create an organization that did X or Y, what would that look like today? Not retrofitting something that, you know, has been in existence for how many years? You know, and I've done that at school, too. Like, what is the you know, what about our curriculum? We all teach and have classes that are very similar to the classes that we took 
when we were undergrads, right? Um, but there's been know. a lot of there's been a lot of new music since then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially about since that. you were an undergrad, Bill. Oh, they, please. That you were yeah. reading figured bass around the yeah. gate at that time, right? Look, when we got <laughs> valves, I can't tell you. <laughs> there's revolution right there. <laughs> there's revolution. Right there. That's not an evolution. Uh, that is a said revolution it, in trumpet playing. Other people said it wouldn't work, and I'm like, look, if we have to tongue less because of these things, I'm all over it. <laughs> I think there's something to be said here. He was in well, from the word go. But you got I mean, even these either small or, or large evolutions or revolutions, they always cause problems uh, with the people who are like, but, you know, but it was fine. The people who are sort of content. Look at drum corps since we were kids. This is a great oh example, gosh, right? right? So yeah. drum corps when we were kids, you know, it was when I was, I didn't know much about drum corps when I was growing up because growing up in Texas, there weren't drum corps in Texas because marching band was such a big giant deal. Right. Uh, so as I learned about this, okay, these people are playing two valve bugles, and they're all pitched in G, right? And right. That, those were the instruments that were being played right. in, in the 1980s when, when I first learned about this sort of thing. And I'm like, wow, what a quirky little niche. And, you know, they had their people, and people loved it, and they've gone through it. And then they decided, we're going to use trumpets. Mm. And it was the first end of the world, right? Right. Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> right. Now, okay, now not everything's pitched in G. We're using three valves. And, and then they they then they just, was it two years ago? Now we're going to let trombones on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What slide is? What, that, that, that's not mm -hmm. a bugle? No. It's just, and that's the end of the world. Yet somehow it does go on. And actually what you've seen uh, in the large picture, drum corps is bigger now than it has ever been. There are more drum mm. corps. They're covering more of the country. They have more people out doing it. So... Were they wrong? Would that have happened anyway? We don't know the answer to these things, but these were both, you could look at them as evolutions or revolutions, depending on how you how you view it, an evolution of what they include or a revolution in the instruments that they're using. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because and certainly I know the teachers, uh, some of the teachers that uh, that I, I teach with that didn't know a lot about this are like, I don't want my kids out doing this because they're going to get their chops screwed up. Right. And uh, <laughs> so I've learned, you know, I've, I've talked to people and I try and learn as much as I can about this going, huh, one of my first students that wanted to go do this was working with uh, Phantom Regiment. She really wanted to go do this. And I said, okay, so uh, who's doing the trumpet stuff? And she said, uh, well, it's somebody, uh, somebody Martin. I think it's Mike. <laughs> Is it Mike Martin? And I, and I said, Mike Martin? You mean from the Boston Symphony, Mike Martin? She goes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he said he was in the Boston Symphony. <laughs> and I said, oh. Okay, and I didn't know, It'll I don't know fine. Mike, I don't know Chris, uh, and right. I, I didn't know their history of, you know, their dad was a band director, and they'd come out through the drum yeah. corps ranks and done those right. sorts of things. But I thought, wow, here's my student who's going out for the summer uh, playing trumpet, not a two-valve bugle, playing an act, you know, playing a you know, professional model trumpet, getting coached by a member of the Boston Symphony. I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. I've had students that have had great experience in doing this where 30 years ago, I'm not sure that same thing was happening just from the idea of they weren't playing trumpet right right so there's mm -hmm. that's a revolution in that industry right there that has changed right. the way that you know high level music schools and snooty places like where i work are now much more encouraging than discouraging to for go sure. do something for sure yeah, and, and how many schools even use it as a calling card for some of our best students perform with this particular core? Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's some of that going on. Was the Star and, of Indiana, Indiana and Blast, didn't that come out of IU? I think Star of Indiana was its own drum core, not really necessarily not a, part not of associated IU. That precedes with my IU, time. But, yeah. but Blast did come out of Star of Indiana, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and how much of that, this is the right, discontentment, right, is the wellspring of growth <laughs> idea, right? Like, you know, so maybe there's an arranger who's so frustrated with these G-bugles, right? And, you know, and the limitations brought on by that. So that that is a bit of a revolution, especially mm-hmm. in that, you know, in that regard. Um, for me, the, the recalibration thing has been a, a process of changing the way I allow things to, to affect me and the way I view them. But it, it also has been constantly putting myself in a place where I'm doing something that enthuses me or excites me. And so things like, you know, practicing, writing etudes, arranging for trumpet ensemble, devoting my time rather than to worry or to angst, but towards something positive. I think that's a great way to stay out of that mind space, right? But, but yes, it's, it's vital, but also important to remember, but there is, there is no, there is no uh, perfect world or perfect job that every every environment yeah. you come to is going to have its pluses and its minuses so right. if you're looking for something that it that if you're looking for something that doesn't exist you're never going to find it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah our bass teacher says every gig has a little bit of suck <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to just be keep your head going forward why you're there what you're trying to accomplish how this is enriching you Mm-hmm. Right. And this is Sometimes coming from me. Sometimes it's just your wallet. <laughs> right. yeah. and, and for me, like, and coming from me, and I'm, again, I'm a pessimist, but the idea of where you want to live in your job, do you want to live in the things that uh, might poke at you and aren't your favorite parts of that job? Or do you want to live in the parts of your job that are the reason that you took it in the first place? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you get, and you get to make that choice. But I've run into so many band directors just in conversation over the years, you know, that, it's I just it's such an important thing. It's okay to feel this way and it's okay to have to recalibrate. This is yeah. your out. This this is a mechanism through which you can really change. You know, you whether it's yeah, maybe you, you have to admit that you're gonna change you because the things around you aren't gonna change, but it will make your life better. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah. Absolutely make your life better. Cool. Well, it's time for no offense. Today's topic, we're going to tie this right in and just make sure we drive this point home. Today's topic, assuming things will and should change to accommodate your feelings. <laughs> if that's where you live, no offense, you're doing it wrong. Hold on, wait a minute. Are you trying to say that the entire world doesn't just revolve right around me? Because now, wait, this is a whole, this is acceptable. Hold on a second. Yeah. First chattering revelation. Yeah. yeah, I thought everybody was uh, was here just to make me happy. Right. That's you like not the it. Way, you like the way you played it. I like the way I did it. Everybody <laughs> else just adjusts to that. Dude, dude, you're out of dude, tune. You're out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But but we see those people everywhere. The people right. who are they they really do think they're the center of the universe. Everything does revolve right around them, and everything should go to what they right. want, not even that they need. Just the way that they want it should be the mm-hmm. way that it exists for no other reason than they want it that way. Yeah. And <laughs> here's another no offense. If you don't see the humor in that, you're <laughs> you're just not looking. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's so true. Uh, it's so hard to get to some people and say, I want you to just take one step out of yourself and Let's take a look at that from the outside. And there are people right. who just have the hardest time doing that because listen, if if you if you can't laugh at yourself, oh, then you're 
you're screwed. I don't really, know what to tell you. At this really point. in trouble. <laughs> really in trouble. But yeah. that's one of the ways that I've helped, uh, you know, people that over the years that have come to talk to me and just so, uh, as my friend, our friend Bruce says, wrapped around the axle. About, <laughs> yeah, so and so's wrapped around the axle about this thing, you know. And, uh, but, you know, just to have them take a look at it from another perspective to the point where they go, okay, you know, uh, okay, and start laughing. You're like, all right, there it is. Yeah. Now you can survive it. Now you can manage it. I've got to be able to do it. Have to be Your orchestra to gig, and they're giving you free pizza and vegetables and soda at that break, and people are like, ah, I hate pizza. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, really? That's where you go? <laughs> they should have asked me what I want. No. Yeah, that was your That's first thought. food, man. Yeah, where's the filet? <laughs> it's not in our contract. They're just doing this for us. <laughs> really pepperoni that's all i got yeah exactly <laughs> come on yeah yeah you can't assume that and you got to find a way out laughter is the best medicine there you go to quote the old reader's digest Do you guys even know what that is the reader's digest well i mean i know what it is <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago and do you still have a TV guide subscription too? I do, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> How else wow. will I know when matches? You, like, you like you like doing the crossword puzzle in the back, right? <laughs> I, I gotta. I can't remember the times that Gunsmoke and Mash are on. I've got a. <laughs> I need the TV guide for that. Wow, Gunsmoke, <laughs> the Wayback Machine. There it is. That's a good call. You guys just need to recalibrate. <laughs> Well, listen, that about does it for today. Thanks for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe, and tell your friends and students. So long for now, and remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell. <laughs>